MSW Media. News with swearing. Daily beans, daily beans. Daily beans, daily beans. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Friday, March 12th, 2021. Today, President Biden signs the American Rescue Plan a day early and ahead of his primetime remarks on the one-year anniversary of the COVID lockdown. Merrick Garland arrives at the Department of Justice for his first official day as the Attorney General. The Justice Department says the leader of the Oath Keepers was directing the siege on the Capitol. A former veteran is charged in the insurrection, and he's a former member of the Marine One Squadron. The Texas Attorney General threatens to sue Austin officials if they don't lift mask mandates. Two common-sense gun laws passed the House but face uphill battles in the Senate. The appellate court has allowed the charge of third-degree murder to be added in the case against Chauvin in the murder of George Floyd. David Cicilline says he'll propose a rule to stop Marjorie Taylor Greene's procedural delay tactics. A new phone call surfaces in the Georgia RICO investigation into Trump and the House Oversight Committee gets emails that Mark Meadows was also involved. And finally, Deb Holland's nomination advances to confirmation next week in the Senate. I'm your host, A.G. Hello, happy Friday. Another very big news day in what's been a week of extremely big news days. Uh, I will be speaking, though, later in the show with Frank Figaluzzi. He's the former assistant director of the FBI for counterintelligence. We're going to talk about the two common sense gun laws that have passed the House but faced that uphill battle in the Senate. I would also like to tell you that, you know, for, first of all, apologize that we were not on the stereo app Thursday at 5 Pacific because of Joe Biden's remarks on the one year anniversary of the lockdown. Down. And so we will be returning on Tuesday uh, with Andrew at 5 p.m. Pacific and then Thursday again with Dana at 5 p.m. Pacific, both 5 Pacific, 8 Eastern. Now, uh, I also want to thank patrons, supporting patrons. We've had dozens and dozens of amazing people log on and you go to dailybeans.com and have purchased one-year premium memberships uh, for for people who can't swing it right now. That's th- It's $36 for the whole year. And if you want to receive one of those memberships because you can't afford it right now, you can sign up in the same place. Just go to dailybeanspod.com, scroll down, and you'll find it. I have a lot of news to tell you about today. So let's do this. Let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right, lead story today. President Biden has signed the American Rescue Plan into law. And Jen Psaki says Americans should start seeing stimulus money direct deposited into their accounts as soon as this weekend. Uh, I've been going over all the provisions of the bill uh, over this entire week, so we all know the highlights and the lowlights. Uh, when I say lowlights, I mean B-sides, not bad things. That's all good. His signature comes just ahead of his first primetime address to the country Thursday night. This is the one-year anniversary of the COVID lockdown. On the vaccine front, Biden has promised 100 million doses in August arms in his first 100 days. And as it stands, we're on track to see over 200 million doses in arms by the end of his first 100 days. We're almost out of this. We just need to hang on a little bit longer. I just received notification from the Department of Veterans Affairs. I'll be getting two shots, one on March 15th and one on April 5th. So I am scheduled to go for my vaccines. And I'm I'm a little overwhelmed with emotion about it. So I'm I'm very excited about that. If you are offered the vaccine, if you can get an appointment, take it. Now, despite all this good news, Republicans in Texas appear to be doing everything they can to sabotage the success of Biden's rollout of the American Rescue Plan and the vaccine. And he's doing this at the expense of the lives of Texans. 
uh, both the Texas AG and, of course, Governor Abbott. Now, on Wednesday, Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton, an indicted criminal, by the way, threatened to sue officials in Austin and Travis County if they did not lift local mask mandates. The announcement comes after Governor Greg Abbott signed an executive order last week to lift the statewide mask mandate, despite warnings from health officials about that being incredibly stupid. The governor's executive order, which took effect Wednesday of this week, also lifted capacity restrictions on the state's businesses. It allowed local officials to impose mitigation strategies if hospitalizations do surge, which they will, but banned them from punishing residents who defy mask guidance uh, and from limiting business capacity to less than 50 percent. Private businesses are still able to require masks on their premises, but are no longer required to do so, per the governor. Despite Abbott's executive order, Ken Paxton, attorney general, said in a letter Wednesday that officials in the city of Austin and the county that contains it stated that local orders requiring individuals to wear face masks while outside their homes will continue unabated. He addressed that letter to Travis County Judge Andy Brown and Austin Mayor Steve Adler, both of whom have said local mask mandates will remain in effect. Pax instead, the officials had until 6 p.m. Wednesday to rescind any local mask mandates or business operating restrictions, retract any related public statements, and come into full compliance with the executive order. Quote, otherwise, on behalf of the state of Texas, I will sue you, he said. In response to Paxton's letter, Mayor Adler said he and Brown would fight Governor Abbott and Attorney General Paxton's assault against doctors and data for as long as they possibly can. Also Thursday, Merrick Garland arrived at the Department of Justice, took his oath of office, and officially began his work as the United States Attorney General. He arrived to applause from dozens of DOJ employees standing outside to greet him and welcome him. He repeated the words to those employees when he got inside, saying that the same words that he said during his nomination remarks, that the department will return to equal justice for friends and foes, Democrats and Republicans, the powerful and the powerless, and across race and ethnicity. In earlier statements and during his confirmation, Garland said of the January 6th insurrection, he would not limit his investigations to those who breached the Capitol, but he would also be looking at the leaders and the funders of the attack on the Capitol. That work begins in earnest today. And speaking of the investigations into the rioters, the Justice Department said in a court filing Tuesday that the founder of the Oath Keepers was giving directions before and during the U.S. Capitol riot to alleged extremist conspirators among the right-wing paramilitary group. Uh, The new details began to capture more about the leadership and network within the Oath Keepers around the insurrection as prosecutors fight to keep defendants in jail and charge additional members of the group. Monday night's filing highlighted newly disclosed communications over the messaging app Signal that investigators have found from Stuart Rhodes, the Oath Keepers founder and regional Oath Keepers leaders. How many years have we been telling you all the way back to the Mueller She Wrote kitchen days? Do not rely on Signal and WhatsApp and all those um, applications for for secure communications. Every single indictment we see includes messages from these encryption apps. And the Justice Department describes Rhodes as a central presence among the Oath Keepers during the siege, telling some where to go and gathering with them in person and at the Capitol. Prosecutors also described in court documents supporting the arrest of an Alabama Oath Keeper on Tuesday how members of the group carried out Rhodes's call to provide security for, quote, VIPs at events related to the Stop the Steal pro-Trump effort on January 5th and 6th. 
They're referring to Roger Stone. Prosecutors have gradually been building out a major Capitol riot conspiracy case against nine Oath Keepers. The new details about Rhodes, which come in arguments to keep another alleged Oath Keeper who was arrested early in the investigation in jail, is the first time the Justice Department has offered a bigger picture of directions given that day and shared publicly what they've learned about the involvement of the Oath Keepers national leader. Before this week, nine Oath Keepers from different states have been charged in a conspiracy case. Rhodes, on signal, described several well-equipped forces surrounding the city for backup, and prosecutors say the Oath Keepers came to Washington to provide security for VIPs at events uh, around undermining the election. Quote, Do not bring anything that can get you arrested. Leave that outside D.C., he wrote to other key Oath Keepers who've already been charged with conspiracy related to the siege. Quote, There are many, many others from other groups who will be watching and waiting on the outside in case of worst-case scenarios. Uh, He added that in a chat in Signal, according to prosecutors. He also suggested the group members bring flashlights and helmets and said he planned to bring a collapsible baton. During the siege, prosecutors say Rhodes also wrote in the Signal uh, app a direction to gather Oath Keepers to the southeast side of the Capitol and at one point was caught in photos and images with several Oath Keepers gathered around him. Rhodes is called Person 1 in the court filing, but identified in it by prosecutors through a link to a post he made about a call to action on January 6th on the Oath Keepers website. Uh, On the Oath Keepers site, Rhodes asked for donations and volunteers to come to D.C. to assist with security on January 5th and 6th. Quote, it is critical that all patriots who can be in D.C. get to D.C. to stand tall in support of President Trump's fight to defeat the enemies, foreign and domestic, who are attempting a coup... Through the massive vote fraud and related attacks on our republic, we Oath Keepers are both honor-bound and eager to be there in strength to do our part. That's what he wrote in that post. Rhodes also writes on the Oath Keepers site about so-called quick reaction forces, a key component of the Justice Department's description in court of the danger they believe Oath Keepers pose if they would be released instead of remanded in jail while they await trial. Prosecutors previously noted on a member's idea to ferry weapons across the Potomac. (laughs) by boat. Quote, as we have all done on recent D.C. ops, we will also have well-armed and equipped QRF teams on standby outside D.C. in the event of a worst-case scenario where the president calls us up as part of the militia to assist him inside D.C. That's something else he wrote on the Oath Keepers website. So we'll keep you posted on this uh, investigation. And a Marine Corps veteran charged in the Capitol riot once served as a crew chief of the Presidential Helicopter Squadron. That's a very restricted unit that requires top secret above top secret security clearance. Uh, John Daniel Andr- Andres, I believe, uh, 35 of Piney Point, Maryland, was arrested last month and charged with two felonies, including violent entry and disorderly conduct uh, on the Capitol grounds. He pleaded not guilty. His attorney did not immediately return requests for comment. Andres, who enlisted in the Marine Corps in 04, joined Marine Helicopter Squadron 1 in 06, officials said. His duties included aircraft maintenance as a presidential helicopter crew chief. The squadron, also known as HMX-1, oversees presidential travel aircraft. The helicopter is known as Marine 1 when the president is aboard. The squadron's other role is testing and evaluating helicopters. The squadron's members must receive top-secret clearance and receive a special higher-level clearance known as Yankee White. That's according to officials, which is reserved for personnel close to the president. Andres, in a tan jacket, was recorded in several parts of the Capitol. Standing near a group of police at one point, he waved to other members of the crowd, appearing to draw them closer to the confrontation with officers. More than 30 veterans have been charged with crimes in the riot. Most of them have had typical duties, such as infantry members, vehicle drivers, and mechanics. That's according to service records obtained by the Washington Post. One of them, Thomas Caldwell, served as a Navy Reserve Intelligence officer. But Andres stands apart 
for his duties on Marine Helicopter Squadron 1. That's a highly selective post, even for enlisted crew members. An assignment with HMX-1 is one of high visibility and great responsibility. And Andrews left the Marine Corps as a Lance Corporal in November 2009 with no combat deployments, and that's according to his service records. His assignment within the squadron covered the G.W. Bush and Obama administrations. Now, on to the RICO investigations into Donald and his associates in Fulton County, led by D.A. Fonnie Willis. The Wall Street Journal released details about another phone call between Trump and Georgia election officials regarding the November election. This call was with the Georgia Secretary of State's chief investigator during the signature match audit in Cobb County that took place in December. According to the six-minute call with the chief investigator named Francis Watson, obtained by Wall Street Journal, Trump repeated several times he won the state of Georgia and said something bad happened. This is different from the call with Ben Roethlisberger, sorry, Ben Raffisberger, and other state officials where he asked them to find the exact number of votes he would need to win Georgia. Uh, you can find the full transcript of the call uh, online. It's pretty easy to, fall, uh, to find. Fulton County District Attorney Fannie Willis previously announced the investigation in Trump's phone call with Raffensperger to determine if a criminal act was committed. We know she's hired some really incredible RICO lawyers as well in the meantime. During the December call with Watson, the president encouraged her to move the investigation from Cobb County to Fulton County, saying if you can get to Fulton, you're going to find things that are going to be unbelievable. In another part of the call, Trump told her, when the right answer comes out, you'll be praised. Sounds familiar. Russia, if you're listening, I hope you can find the 30,000 emails that are missing. I'm sure the media will reward you greatly. And records obtained by Watchdog American Oversight show an aide to then-Chief of Staff Mark Meadows contacted Georgia's Deputy Secretary of State, Jordan Fuchs, on December 30th by email as the Trump White House was pressuring Georgia to illegally overturn the election result. We know Lindsey Graham is wrapped up in this with his phone call, and now Mark Meadows may be as well. We'll keep you posted. My beans? A very, very in-depth RICO case with a long, epic trial awaits these folks. So we'll see. We'll keep you posted. And we've been reporting on the procedural bullshit in the House brought to you by Marjorie Taylor Greene all week. She tried multiple times to delay COVID relief by making motions to adjourn, and she waylaid 13 bipartisan bills, many of them Republican introduced, by threatening to voice object to all of them, forcing a roll call vote, including bills preventing child abuse and streamlining vaccines for veterans. Well, Representative David Cicilline, who I love, said he will propose a rule to change um, the, the current rule that would ensure that this doesn't happen again. Basically, he, he goes, I'm dead serious, is what he said to reporters. The rule would mean that a member can do a motion to adjourn only if that representative is a member of a committee. <laughs> and Green was stripped of her committeeship assignments by House Democrats last month. After some of her controversial social media posts resurfaced, in them she promoted QAnon and other conspiracy theories and advocated violence against Democratic leaders. She also said that uh, the Parkland shooting was a false flag operation. When asked about Cicilline's rule change proposal, Marjorie Taylor Greene told Newsweek, Do you mean Rep. Mussolini? Not only did Democrats unilaterally strip away my committees, now they want to remove powers I have to represent my district. The Democrats run a house of hypocrites with a tyrannical control. That is a huge, terrible uh, racist remark about Cicilline, who is an Italian Jew. 
And finally, former Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin now faces an additional murder charge in the death of George Floyd after a Hennepin County judge reinstated a count of third-degree murder on Thursday. Chauvin already faced charges of second-degree unintentional murder and second-degree manslaughter. He has pleaded not guilty to all three charges. The added charge provides prosecutors a third potential pathway to conviction in the closely watched case, which began Tuesday with jury selection at the heavily fortified Hennepin County Government Center. Quote, the charge of third-degree murder, in addition to manslaughter and felony murder, reflects the gravity of the allegations against Mr. Chauvin. That's Minnesota, Minnesota Attorney General Minnesota. <laughs> that's, that's the one word for Minnesota Attorney General. That's Keith Ellison. He said that in a statement. We're looking forward, he added, to presenting all three charges to the jury. Chauvin was initially charged with third-degree murder in the days after Floyd's death, Floyd's murder. But Hennepin County District Court Judge Peter Cahill dismissed the count in October, saying it didn't apply. However, an appeals court ruling in February in the case against former Minneapolis police officer Noor opened the door, reinstating the charge against Chauvin, and the state subsequently filed an appeal. You've heard all of this on this week's, this past Wednesday's uh, cleanup on aisle 45. The Minnesota Court of Appeals ordered Cahill to reconsider the motion, and on Wednesday, the Minnesota Supreme Court refused a request by Chauvin's attorney to block the appellate court's decision, clearing the way for Cahill to reinstate the charge, just as we predicted. So beans come true. In court on Thursday, Chauvin's defense attorney, Nelson, argued that Noor's case was factually and procedurally different than Chauvin's, um, you know, because Chauvin knelt on Floyd's neck. What a great defense there for an extended period of time. However, prosecutors argued that a judge was bound to follow the appeals court precedent in the Noor case. Judge Cahill ruled Thursday morning that he accepted the appeal court's ruling that the opinion in Noor's case immediately set a precedent, and he ruled to reinstate the charge. He added third-degree murder charge only applied to Chauvin and that the potential to reinstate the charge for the other three officers charged in Floyd's death will be addressed at a later date. If convicted, Chauvin could face up to 40 years in prison for second-degree murder, up to 25 years for third-degree murder, and up to 10 years for second-degree manslaughter. The charges are to be considered separate, so Chauvin could be convicted of all, some, or none of them. David Weinstein, former prosecutor who's closely followed the case, said the charges of each represent a different level of intent, so jurors will have more options to consider during their deliberations. Uh, I'll be right back with Frank Figluzzi. We're going to discuss the common sense gun reform bills that just passed the House, as well as some of the details of the massive RICO case Fannie Willis is building against Trump in Georgia. Stay with us. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody, it's AG. Today's episode of Daily Beans is brought to you by the most amazing thing I've ever put in my mouth, Magic Spoon Cereal. Since I was little, I have loved cereal. I used to sit down in front of Saturday morning cartoons, eat a whole bowl, drink the delicious milk afterwards, but I've, have to, I've had to give that up because all of the brands I loved were full of sugar and chemicals and other junk and carbs that I didn't want in my body. But I have found Magic Spoon. It is a miracle. It is so delicious you won't believe it's made without all the sugar, carbs, or guilt. If you're a cereal lover like me, you have to try it. Forbes magazine says with cereal that tastes this good and offers so much nutritional value as opposed to, well, none, Magic Spoon may be the future of breakfast. Magic Spoon cereals amazingly have zero grams of sugar, 12 grams of proteins, and only three net grams of carbs in each serving. It's keto-friendly 
friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, low-carb, high-protein, and GMO-free, and it's delicious. With four amazing flavors that will bring back that vintage vibe for you, they have cocoa, fruity, frosted, and blueberry. It's too good to be true, but it is real, and it is delicious. My favorite flavor right now is cocoa. It is chocolatey and delicious. I eat it up, and then I drink the chocolatey milk after. So go to magicspoon.com slash dailybeans and grab a variety pack. Try all four flavors today, and be sure to use promo code dailybeans at checkout for free shipping. Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money. No questions asked. So with our code, free shipping, money back guarantee, there's no risk. That's magicspoon.com slash dailybeans and use the code dailybeans for free shipping. And we thank Magic Spoon for sponsoring the podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Today, we are fortunate to speak to our friend, Frank Figaluzzi, former assistant director of the FBI for counterintelligence and host of a new upcoming podcast and author of the book, The FBI Way. Please welcome Frank Figaluzzi. Hey, G. Thanks for having me, as always. I'm happy to talk to you today because a couple of things are coming out uh, in the news today, just ahead of uh, Biden's first primetime address of the country. And the first thing I wanted to talk to you about, and we, we spoke a little bit off line about this earlier. Uh, there are two uh, bills that have passed the House of Representatives. These are common sense gun reform bills. And I was hoping you could tell us a little bit about these these two different bills and, and how that you think they'll fare in the Senate. Yeah, I, I remain a cynic and a pessimist on this, but I have to tell you, I'm thrilled that finally we have, as you said, some common sense legislation years after Newtown Sandy Hook school shooting the park, the Parkland, Florida, uh, Stoneman Douglas shooting, and and other nonsensical things that could be prevented. Here, here's the two uh, bills in a nutshell. The the first says um, we're going to require even private person to person sale of guns to re- to go through a a background check. And by the way, the, that background check um, goes through a system called NICS, National Instant Check System. It's run by the FBI. Uh, when you purchase a gun at, at your gun dealer, you're getting um, a immediate or, or somewhat immediate response um, on whether or not you're in the system as someone who should not have a gun. Um, now they're saying we're going to try and close that private loophole so that if you go down the street and buy it from Joe um, or some licensed dealer somewhere, individual to individual, you got to go through that next check as well. The second bill is even probably going to cause more heartburn for the Republicans and that in and, and, and the Senate. And by that one goes to what's called the Charleston exception, which is, if you recall the tragedy at um, Mother Emanuel AME Church in Charleston, South Carolina, people simply attending their like Wednesday night Bible study and being shot by a kid named Dylan Roof, who's been proven to be a white supremacist, by the way. Um, here's the here's the disaster that happened before the disaster, which is the kid got a gun, and um, there was a delay because of confusion in matching his background problem in the database during the NICS check. There was an uh, unusually long delay, like I don't know, two or three days, and the law says, uh, check this out. The law, as it currently reads, says, oh well, if it takes too long. To get the check done and figure out if you're the guy, the bad guy, uh, you got you get your gun, and they default to giving you the gun, and that's that's how Roof got his gun. So this new bill says 
No, 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 no. We, we no longer default. If there's confusion about your background, <laughs> we don't default to giving you the gun. We default to holding, giving you the gun until we figured out if you're a terrorist or a mental health profe- you know, person or not. So, um, yeah. And I think I, I predict, you know, you're going to see the true colors of, of the Senate right now and the, and the GOP. They're going to they're going to find every which way from Sunday to go. No, we want crazy people and terrorists to have guns. And if it takes more than a couple of days to figure it out, you should get your gun. I want to I, I want to see this argument and see them do it with a straight face. Yeah, they'll say we're infringing on their rights by making them wait. <laughs> Is probably what they're going to be yeah. saying. Well, the Constitution, the Constitution says you have a right to bear arms. It doesn't say you have a right to bear arms within one hour <laughs> of asking for your arms. Yeah, but any restriction, they're just not about, even though we have precedent that you can make restrictions on owning weapons, um, which is why I don't have a howitzer in my house right now. Uh, but not that I was hoping to get one and waiting for, but neither here nor there. I think the really important thing here is, and I, I, I doubt this will get through the Senate. Um, however, because we are now in the majority, we can bring these bills to a vote and force Republicans to put their name down as for or against it. And that is what, when you say this is going to cause them heartburn, is that kind of what you were getting at, that they have to put their name on it, or heartburn just because they don't like the idea of closing a loophole? Mostly because they are going to, they actually, they're going to have trouble with the bill as it's written, and they're going to trumpet their opposition to it as I am pro-Second Amendment, and my constituency wants their guns and and somehow they're going to say this is going to take your guns away yeah, yeah. when it, it does not, right? But yeah, I mean, the Harper I mean is they're not going to like it. They're not going to vote for it. And the fact that they're going to go down in infamy as the the lawmaker who said, uh, "Yeah, I want I want suspicious people to get guns," um, doesn't bother them at all. They'll they'll say it proudly. And and you know, God forbid, in their back home in their district when there is a mass shooting. Um, and it comes down to a bad, you know, a, a, they, they, a guy got their gun, his gun too fast. They will run from this like you won't believe. Yeah. And we know that the Republicans in Congress, Senate and House, lost considerable support with suburban families, mostly because of these types of things. And we know, of course, Marjorie Taylor Greene calling Parkland a, a, and other school shootings false flag mm-hmm. operations. People were very upset mm-hmm. with that. And that drove a lot of people to leave the Republican Party or at least vote for Joe Biden or vote for Democrats in their area. Now that we're focused less on on the White House and more on these individual seats because we're doing 2022 now, I think that it's going to be very important that we hold their feet to the fire by forcing them to vote and put their names on whether or not they think these common sense gun laws, which most Americans are for. Yeah. Yeah. If you ask, right. If you most ask most gun owners, do you, do you think, um, um, dangerous, violent felons at terrorists and people who've been adjudged insane should have guns? No, absolutely not. Oh, okay. Well, that's what we're talking about here. That's what we're talking about. So I'd, I'd like to watch the two Republican senators from Florida who experience, you know, whose state experienced the Parkland um, Stoneman Douglas tragedy at the at the high school. I, I'd like to hear them say that they're opposing uh, these bills. Yeah, and especially their argument about you're trying to to take guns away from law abiding citizens, but waiting for the background check to clear to to show that you're law abiding 
It's the opposite. You are not keeping guns out of the hands of law-abiding citizens. You are now literally putting guns in the hands of people who aren't law-abiding citizens. Well, here's here's something you're, you're likely to hear. Well, now, if grandpa wants to pass his gun on to, you know, grandson in the family tradition, you're telling me that grandpa has to go get an FBI check for grandson and grand, you know, that, that you're going to, you're going to hear that. Watch, watch that happen. And the answer is yes. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> yes. Because Dylan Roof had a grandpa. That's right. Yes. And so, yes. <laughs> you know, um, but thanks for your, you know, your very cute anecdote. Now, there's a couple other things I wanted to uh, talk to you about uh, with regards to some new memos that are coming out from the FBI. This is right in your wheelhouse, but I have to take a quick break. Will you stay with me? Sure. Awesome. Thank you so much. We'll be right back. Hello, everyone. It's AG, and this portion of Daily Beans is brought to you by Nebia. To me, my favorite part of the day is my shower. Nice hot shower. I do my best thinking in the shower. It's my alone time. Well, since the lockdown, what? It's my alone time away from the cats. But it's still my alone time, and I get my best ideas there, like I said. And that's why I'm excited to tell you about Nebia. They want to empower your shower. It's backed by some of the biggest names in Silicon Valley, including Tim Cook, and it's designed by former Tesla, NASA, and Apple engineers who spent years researching and developing a superior shower experience that saves water. The Nebia takes your shower to a totally different level. It's like a steam room combined with a shower, and it's like I've been to a day spa whenever I use it. The Nebbia by Moen Spa Shower is Nebbia's most advanced shower yet. It has twice the coverage and half the water usage of most shower heads, and despite using 45% less water, its spray is 81% more powerful than the competition. Nebbia's atomized droplets rinse shampoo and conditioner out of the thickest, longest hair, and it can be easily installed in 15 minutes. No plumbers needed, no task rabbit, but, you know, if you can change a light bulb, you can install Nebbia by Moen. It's super easy. Nebbia balances functionality with beauty as well, and it's available in four premium finishes, white and chrome, spot-resistant nickel, matte black, and black and chrome, and they have accessories like shower shelves and shower curtains, which pair perfectly with the shower's design. The Nebbia by Moen Spa Shower starts at just $199, and for Daily Beans listeners, we have a deal. The first 100 people to use code BEANS at Nebbia.com will get 15% off site-wide. Nebbia rarely does deals like this, so it's a great deal to jump on. Go to Nebbia.com slash beans. That's N-E-B-I-A dot com slash beans to check out what they have to offer. Again, the first 100 people to use code BEANS when checking out will save 15 15% off. Again, that's nebbia.com slash beans and use that code beans to save 15%. Everybody, welcome back. We're talking to Frank Figaluzzi, and uh, I'm very excited to ask you about this because a uh, friend, Molly McHugh, tweeted this out this morning. It is a memo, uh, I believe, here coming from an FBI bulletin. I, 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 th- there might be a difference there. Uh, warning of increased use of something called synthetic media and influence operations, specifically mentioning the use of tools for social engineering. Uh, and they're saying that the summary is that malicious actors will certainly leverage synthetic content for cyber and foreign influence operations in the next 12 to 18 months. Specifically, they're warning about in the near future. Foreign actors are currently using synthetic content in their influence campaigns, and the FBI anticipates it will be increasingly used by foreign and criminal cyber actors for spear phishing and social engineering in an evolution of cyber operations. Operational tradecraft. Why a focus on the next 12 to 18 months? Yeah, boy, that's a lot to unpack, but it's unusual to see this kind of specificity in an FBI advisory. And what I'm what I'm aware of and what I'm seeing, even as I consult with corporations, seems to all jive and bring together um, and and seems to come together in this in this advisory. So first, um, earlier in the pandemic, the FBI issued something similar, but not as specific, and said basically um, phishing and vishing 
which is attempts to exploit people, employees working from home, as, as we're all doing. You're sitting there doing your corporate business work from your home computer, and the bad actors, the, the nation states that do this, are saying, this is awesome. We get to attack Frank at home because he's doing work from home. We get into his whole company from his little computer at his house. And that is, I am hearing, um, AG, that this is out of control right now. So the, the pandemic, the work from home situation where cybersecurity professionals are pulling their hair out in companies across America, um, the FBI is noticing record sending, phishing and vishing. Click on this attachment, and you know uh, your boss will be so happy. No, it's it's the Russian intelligence service or the Chinese or the Iranians or North Koreans. So there's that going on. Because we're fishing a barrel using our home Wi-Fi to conduct our business from home. It is a perfect environment for hackers of all stripes and flavors. Yep, absolutely. Okay, got it. Simultaneously, simultaneously, and I'm going to point to a public report in a, one of the major newspapers, and I can't recall if it was the Washington Post or the New York Times that reported within the last week that the White House is planning to launch some kind of um, retaliation to, against Russia, largely for the solar winds attack. You'll, your viewer, your listeners will remember the solar winds attack was a single point of vulnerability across all the sensitive three-letter agencies in government that all use this company called Solar Winds to manage their ne their network and. And lo and behold, the Russians went, hey, there's one place that we can attack and get all of these agencies at once. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we had reported on that recent uh, reporting that you talked about, too, because the, the first sanctions came out and everyone was like kind of weak. But then they put out this reporting that, oh, no, there's more on the way. Yeah, there's more coming. And I, I wonder if this advisory today is saying hunker down because we're, you know, the USG is doing some things against our adversaries right now. And they're probably going to do some things against us, and it's going to get hairy. That's that's my guess. Ah, so 12 to 18 months. Be on the lookout for synthetic, you know, created news stories, misinformation, disinformation, social engineering. Um, more along the lines, apparently, of, uh, let's see, uh, she says, state-led attacks to individual citizens, um, and that this could be kind of a way to... to, to moderate behavior and change behavior uh, and and sort of influence behavior in individual citizens. Well, look, we we've already we've been there done that, haven't we? It's called the 2016 presidential campaign. Do you do you know that within the last 4 years at one point there were 250,000 people who were following fake Russian accounts on their Facebook um, account. A quarter million people yeah, and totally denying that that could possibly happen to them. Yeah, right. So you want to talk about influencing our thoughts. Look, look, people are walking around saying the COVID vaccine is going to install a chip in us. I mean, that's all coming from disinformation and social media propaganda. And um, it is here to stay. Did, you know, the, the, they say the only two certain things in life are death and taxes. Now it's death, taxes, and disinformation. And, and it, it's here to stay. We've got to be more intelligent consumers of our of our information. Yeah. And as we uh, as Biden rolls out these vaccines for for the coronavirus, um, hopefully they'll be rolling out some some sort of vaccine for for social media misinformation, because it's also I it's it 
acts and works like a virus. It mutates, it changes, it infects us, and it impacts us. And there is a counter to it, which is the truth and light, shining light on it. Uh, so I'm hoping that we see from from the agencies, from the new DNI, Office of DNI, some sort of, uh, you know, counter an anecdote to this, something that we can actually do or listen or understand, you know, listen to or understand. This is partly why I'm an advocate of social media regulation, but there's another thing that Congress will chew on and possibly spit out. We'll see, but we, we even, listen, when Mark Zuckerberg at Facebook says he wants more regulation, you you know that they, they can't handle this anymore. They can't handle it. Yeah, that was like when when Mnuchin put sanctions on Durkacz. I'm like, dude, if you if if Mnuchin's putting sanctions on you, you got to be really Russian. So uh, it's kind of along those same lines. And something else that's really interesting here, too, and I would like you just for a minute before I let you go to speak about resources dedicated to this, because th- these these memos, and, and Malik Mukhu said this on Twitter, it at least shows that they are putting more resources toward this, uh, and at least to alert us about it, but, you know, that they are prepared and doing things and taking measures. So that is something that is... Uh, a positive development. Yeah, it's it's not only positive that additional bodies are being put on the cyber problem, but even even in- increasingly so that the stovepipes within the FBI are coming down. So, you know, for for generations, since the history of the FBI, there was a counterterrorism division, a counterintelligence division, a criminal division, and a cyber division. Well, that's all very nice, but the bad guys could not care less which division is working something. And in fact, I would argue the bad guys are exploiting the fact that the FBI has these neat little divisions that, were, you know, now it's quite, it, the, the eyes have been opened. And now there is no distinction between terrorism, counterintelligence, cyber, right? So what they've done, AG, is they've created hybrid teams uh, and fusion centers so that it doesn't matter anymore. Can you tell the difference between a cyber attack that and a counterintelligence and an intelligence operation? Is it the Russians? Is it Russian organized crime? Who knows? Is it is it a terrorist or is it someone else? So the, this hybrid approach is finally coming together. More bodies, less stovepipes. Yeah, and and Mueller had said during his testimony that the single most important weapon we have is the DNI. And uh, we have somebody there now that's going to, I think, do the right thing. Uh, And then, of course, you know, me, when I was, I remember talking to Pete Strzok about this when I was thinking, I was like, I think I want to go to law school, maybe be a a lawyer in the Office of Legal Counsel for the FBI at FARA. I want to work in the FARA unit because that, I thought, was the big new thing. And he's like, no, 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 cyber. No question about it. Any (laughs) any young person that comes to me and says, you know, what what should I go? What should I do? Cyber. Cybersecurity specifically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Well, I appreciate your time today. It's been great talking to you. I'm going to go watch these Biden remarks that yes, are about to happen. Indeed. But I, I hope you have a great weekend. Everybody, please read the FBI way and follow Frank Figluzzi on Twitter. It's been great talking to you, Frank. Thank you, AG. Everybody stick around. We'll be right back with the good news. Hello, everyone. It's AG for the beans. When I was a kid, I used to keep a good luck charm with me, bring it everywhere I go. These days, I keep my favorite mobile game with me all the time. I'm talking about Best Fiends. It's the top-rated mobile puzzle adventure game. It's my good luck charm against boredom. Best Fiends has thousands of levels plus new content added all the time, so you never run out of entertainment. And you don't have to be a hardcore gamer to love this game. It's a casual game, and it's made for adults, but it's fun for everyone, unless you hate fun. But anyway, for me, it's a great stress reliever, and it's part of my self-care routine. I can focus on the character collection and puzzle 
puzzles to engage my brain and have fun. My favorite thing is that it doesn't require the internet, so I can play it anywhere, anytime, and I don't have to worry about Wi-Fi access or using cell data. I've been playing for over a year now. Uh, it's great, relaxing time. It's beautiful. The design is incredible. I love the music. It's very calming. I've been captivated by the increasingly challenging puzzles, too. Best Fiends is boredom's worst nightmare. There are literally thousands of levels to play and counting, plus tons of cute characters to collect. So if you never get tired of solving puzzles, good news. With Best Fiends, the fun never ends. Just don't blame me if you become a little obsessed. Download Best Fiends free today on the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R, Best Fiends. All right, everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Well, we'll float on good news is on the way. And it's Friday. That means Amy Carrero is here. Hey, Amy. Hi. Hi. So you just got back from good news, by the way. It's a good news segment. So... Your good news is you just got back from your first vaccine. Yes, baby. Uh, I am so elated. Like, I don't even, I don't even know what to do with myself. I like, I just was smiling from ear to ear behind my mask. I, I, I held back hugging the poor woman who gave me the (laughs) um, because it's not appropriate a and B social distancing, but God, I just feel so freaking lucky. Um, and you know, as someone with chronic respiratory issues, I'm like, this is my, you know, one step closer to having, getting back to normal. So I'm so, so grateful. Yeah. It's really, really cool. Yep. And my appointments are set for this Monday. And then of course I've got a follow up on April 5th. I think it's Pfizer. I thought it was Moderna, but it's three weeks apart. So maybe that's Pfizer. I think Moderna is a four week apart thing. It's four. Yeah. It's four weeks. Yeah. And before we started recording, you were saying that Pfizer's kind of going out to all the federal stuff and Moderna's going out to the more private stuff. I think so because I think that uh, because the Pfizer has to be frozen at uh, an even lower temperature than Moderna, it maybe requires um, like coolers that only hospitals have or maybe like the FEMA sites. Um, so I got mine at a pharmacy, at a hospital pharmacy. For whatever reason, they had Moderna. Um, not that I cared. I was like, <laughs> stick it in my eyeball. Um, <laughs> whatever so, it is. Yeah, it's good. I'll let you know how I'm feeling. I'll let you know if I have any uh, side effects. Awesome. Yeah. Keep us posted. I will too. And uh, we've got apparently we have an an amicus brief today oh, for Amy's court, although they're calling it they're calling it an amicus yeah. brief. And then of course we have a case, a new a new dispute that somebody wants settled uh, by Judge Amy. So we'll get to that. We also have a bunch of good news and some misheard song lyrics and all sorts of fun stuff. Damn, and it's a good Friday. If you want to sub- it is. So if you want to submit anything to us uh, for your cons- for consideration to be read on the air, you can do that at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. So I'm going to kick us off yeah. with this first submission from BB, pronouns she and her. And BB says, I have a lyric question that you can absolutely clear up. The Daily Beans intro. I have no idea what the first line is. I've tried to figure it out. I've even tried multiple speeds on playback. It's been really bugging me, so I can't wait to hear the answer. Here are my best guesses. News, it's varied. And news, it's scary. News, let's bury. And news, let's query. Please advise the real line. Also, here are my pod pups. One I will let you guess. The other other I have to tell you because you'll never get it. 
Left one is Scout. You can probably guess her mix. Right is Coach. He's a Heinz 57 rescue dog. We had a DNA test done, and he has about 15% from seven different Holy breeds. Shit. We lovingly call him a Chinese Roto Spiegel Labby Poo. So he's Poodle, Beagle, Labrador, Rhodesian Ridgeback. Holy shit. I don't know what the SP is. Me neither. Spaniel? Yeah, Spaniel, I guess, Whoa, probably. Oh, that's a mix. And strangely, kind of looks related to the other dog <laughs> so there you go <laughs> just like the other dog yeah. <laughs> love your pod thanks for doing what you do bb the introduction or the intro lyrics news with swearing daily beans daily beans written and performed and recorded and mixed and mastered by <laughs> they might be giants one of my favorite bands of all time who reached out when we were doing muller she wrote and offered to do the music for daily beans because they liked listening to news with swearing how cool is that yeah i flipped out when that happened too i fangirled so hard they're like one of my favorite bands since the 80s Oh man that's really fucking cool and i'm glad we got to the bottom of it yes now we know um, okay, next up, we got Kaylin, uh, pronounced she, her. Hello, awesome ladies and beans listeners. I have some good news. So I have been working on this project on and off when I have free time, which is not much, but I finally got it done and have posted it on my LinkedIn account. Here are the basics of this project. After trying to find a website that could help me understand in a nonpartisan analysis, how a bill becomes a law and how partisan politics might play a role in forming a bottleneck. Uh, but I, I was unable to find anything. So I created this workbook after doing all of this analysis, I can clearly say that the turtle dick Mitch McConnell, uh, through his effort to grab as much power as he can, has caused a major bottleneck in the Senate. I know this is not a surprise, but it is nice to have the data back me up on this. Uh, there is a link to the work in the links from listeners section of the newsletter. Everyone should definitely take a look at that. There is a ton of work there. Uh, paying two photo taxes here. One is our pod pet, Jazz Jails. She is about 20 years old, grumpy as hell, but we love her and she tolerates our kids. So we will keep her. The <laughs> other tax is my happy place. Uh, to be honest, my happy place is anytime I am out on a nature walk with my kids at a local park. This was a walk from our Sunday. Oh, look at, I love how... The 20 year old and the older cats get, they do get grumpy. They do. They're just like, Hey, <laughs> leave me alone. They're not, they're not mean or anything. No, no. They're just like, I'm going to sit here. I'm going to sleep. Uh, make sure my food is filled right. and, uh, don't be too loud. That's otherwise. Mm, yeah. Just chill. Love it. Oh, that's beautiful. That second picture of the happy place. Gorge, gorge, that's gorge. lovely. Thank you for that submission. And yes, bottlenecks. Uh huh. Oh, turtle dick Mitch. Hmm. <laughs> The minority leader. He <laughs> <laughs> feels good. Next up. Next up from Beth P. Pronouns she and her. This what the mutt submission is my dog. By the way, it, this week we've decided to call this segment. Amy, yeah. we, we, like when we people, it's called what the mutt. I, I really, I, I'm in full agreement of this. This is a very good title. That was a, that was a, a listener's contribution as well. So very, very good title. This is Bre- this is Beth P's dog Hunter. He's a good boy in New Jersey. He's 12 years old and we adopted him 4 years ago after his family in Tennessee had to give him up because of financial problems due to a child's medical bills. Ugh, medical bills. Mm. Hunter is very pro-universal health care. <laughs> Hunter fears our three-legged cats, won't stop crying at night until he gets his treats, and he's super recognizable around town due to his giant, benign boob that a vet refused to remove oh. when it was the size of a golf ball, but now it's the size of a human head, and he's too old to have it removed safely. Don't worry. 
We've been told it feels just like carrying a backpack and he gets around fine and he's not in pain. Yeah. Anyway, Hunter is a mix of two common breeds and he wants you to know that Champ and Major are innocent and hopes they can return to the White House after some basic training. Mm-hmm. And also, they should be kept safe from the imminent White House cat. <laughs> the imminent White House cat. That's a band right there. Imminent White House cat. I love it. Oh, look at this, honey. That's a very cute little boy. I mean, what what are we thinking? Is lab, that like a lab something? A lab mix? Lab golden, maybe? Yeah. It doesn't say. I don't have the answer. They didn't give the answer. Oh, is it a lab? Okay, wait. Hear me out. Mm. Lab beagle? Oh, could be. Could be. Look at the ears, right? Yeah, right, right. Hmm. Please let us know. The hound dog ears. Oh, sweet, sweet. Yeah. Let us know, Beth. Would love, love, to love, know love. What to what she is and yes champ and major are innocent oh my gosh we could do a tight 30 on i i have thoughts um on that okay so next up carrie pronouns she her super proud patron since the kitchen days i have some great vaccine news to share both of my parents had their second vaccine on tuesday the 9th my husband gets his first shot this saturday the 13th and my sister and i will be eligible to schedule our vaccine starting april 5th spring is in the air and things are starting to look a bit brighter for feel-good taxes, I have attached a picture of my parents' main coons Gondolf the Grey and Frodo, my darling pupper Stanley sitting with his best friend, and last but not least, my grandson Elliot almost getting a kiss from his fur brother Bruitz while... Oh, God. What? English is my second language. Oh, Engl- ESL strikes again. That's a calliope. I know. Calliope. Ooh. Okay. Uh, Bruitz, and well, calliope, Callie for short, was just hanging out with a blech. Oh, I love bleps. Oh, and man. Oh, look at these Maine Coons. Look at the beard. No wonder he's Gandalf. Yeah, that's really... Oh. <laughs> and Frodo's over there. <gasps> oh, man. And there's Stanley with the bebe. Oh my gosh, that last yeah, picture. Yeah, the last picture. It looks like an animation. Like, it doesn't even look like a real dog. The dog is sitting like a person. Yep. And he's got his hand on the hand and he's going, huh? Eh? Yeah, like, what are you yeah? going to do about it? Huh? You like that? Are you huh? interested? Feel threatened? <laughs> too bad. He's got a nice little smug smirk on his face, too. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so great. I can't wait for y'all to see these. Next up from Flora, pronouns she and her. Good morning, Beans Queens. Thank you, honestly, for all the work you put into succinctly keeping me informed of the news. I have a misheard song lyric story. In 1974, my family drove from Kansas to Washington State. At the time, Barry Manilow's song, Mandy, was a big hit on our road trip radio. I loved the song, but it made the eight-year-old me so sad that the singer had such a broken relationship with his father. Oh, no. You came and you gave without taking, but I sent you away, old man. Oh, man. I was in my late teens before I realized it was Oh, Mandy. (laughs) (laughs) thanks for all the laughs over the last several years including this morning uh when i shouted fuck marjorie taylor green just seconds before you encourage us all to shout it out keep up the great work i I did i said everybody say it out loud right now wherever you are she really deserves all of the shame oh man that's really funny i (laughs) i I love how this person flora was just so concerned about barry manilow when she was a kid and also like he's doing fine Mm. old old barry's doing fine (laughs) especially now oh with all that money honey okay Mm. next up felicity pronouns she her has a correction Mm. my husband is the world's biggest air supply fan and we have seen them play 
uh, to surprisingly large and younger than expected crowds here in New England. And believe it or not, they are both married to women. <laughs> Making Love Out of Nothing at All Making was written love. by the incomparable Jim Steinman. And for three weeks in 1983, it held the number two spot on the Billboard charts just behind the number one hit he also wrote, Total Eclipse of the Heart by Bonnie Tyler. I was a preteen at the time, and I was under the impression that they were the same song. Oh my god, I was just thinking how much it sounded to like switch the verses and the choruses. They are totally interchangeable. Yep, they are. Of course, I also thought they really are. Holy shit. Yeah. That now we mind. need a mashup. Of, of course. We really do. Of course, I also thought Air Supply singer Russell Hitchcock was a woman for the longest time. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. See, this this is from a story yesterday about when I was in Vegas in 03 and saw Air Supply at, at the Orleans Casino in Vegas. And yep. I, sh- I yep. stood up and screamed, sing Maneater, which, of course, is hollow notes. Um, we'd had right. a, a, Joelle and I had a couple of martinis. Uh, but they taught they talked they told a story about how they had met on the on the set of Jesus Christ Superstar. I thought they were together, um, apparently. Right. I was wrong. No, you were you were we were wrong. There we're is wrong the correction. That, huh? Yeah, and making love out of nothing all was written by someone else totally, and it's somebody who wrote Total Eclipse of the Heart. Incredible, very cool. I was also a preteen at the time. I should have done my research on Air Supply before I just <laughs> before I stood up and shouted, "Play Man Eater." That's hilarious. Uh, though. I mean, who could blame me? I'm sure they had a good laugh. Yeah, at me, which is fine. I deserved it. <laughs> Next up from Kendall, pronouns she and her love the name Kendall. Hello, Beans Queens. I've been a listener since the early days, but it's my first write-in. All week long, I've listened to some really excellent news during your good news block, thinking for sure someone else was going to say something. For those who may have missed it, AG and Amy mentioned Vianetta ice cream cake last Friday during Amy's court. A treat I love and also miss dearly. It's been MIA for years now, but it's coming back. I haven't seen it in the freezer section just yet, but I have faith in good humor. After all, that's why I listen to you. For pet tax, I'm including pictures of our dog, Molly, with her cat, Goose, and another of Goose's brothers, Maverick. Stop (laughs) it. All three are rescues, so it's anyone's guess on the breeds, Goose and Maverick. I feel the need, need for speed. For speed. Thanks for all the laughs over the years. My husband and I still think about Fart Cop. (laughs) But more importantly, thanks for (laughs) sifting through the mountains of information. It's both educational and entertaining especially here in alabama look at these honeys <gasps> oh these are honeys oh. first of all i mean this is amazing can i tell you that ag after you after you tweeted the article about a vienna ice cream coming back mm. i dm this is how pe- <laughs> this is how desperate i am for this ice cream <laughs> i you so okay so twitter like i love twitter whatever but when i want to get some info or when i get when i want to get a discount on shit or insider information i use my instagram account because i have a massive following on that account so i knew i was like my little check mark is going to get me an answer from good humor so i went on good humor's account i messaged them i was like any idea when you're going to bring these back and they just responded like um soon check your local listings or like check your local grocery stores like they were not fucking biting Ugh. they understand they have gold in their hands they get it Ugh. and they're just holding it back from us <sighs> they're holding it back they're not giving they're not giving away vip tubs of 
ice cream, mm. delicious folds of ice cream. They're, they're not doing it. They can't be bought, you guys. Well, I have been eating clean and healthy since the beginning of uh, oh. March. I'm going to continue that through March. Hopefully, Vionetta will be back on the shelves in April when I get that second dose. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to eat a whole fucking thing, I swear to God, of Fuck Vionetta. Because yes. that stuff That's gonna be, is delicious. Yep, yep, yep. Mm. Delish. Mm. Delish. Love it. Amy's court is in session. Oh, oh, oh it's your turn. So dun, dun. let's hear what David in Brooklyn has to say. Okay. Two items on the docket today. David in Brooklyn has submitted an Amy kiss brief. May it please the court. <laughs> Last week, you heard a complaint that a plaintiff's husband habitually ate any sweets in the house that weren't nailed down. Specifically, the defendant had eaten most of a package of ice cream bars that the plaintiff had bought. When only one ice cream bar was left, he told her he was saving it for her, in quotes, though it wasn't particularly his in the first place. Yet, when, we, when she went to find it two days later, it was gone. His defense was that after 24 hours, it's community property, unquote. That statement is my focus of concern. You and me both. I feel that something important was passed over in your ruling. Oh, good to know. Those ice cream bars could be just the beginning of a slippery slope. The defendant seems to believe that he can dispose of community property any way he wants without consulting his spouse slash partner. This is a really good point. Today, it may be ice cream bars, but in the future, what else might he do? And excuse it in the same way. I ask the that the court declare his excuse invalid on its face, especially if that face has ice cream on it. <laughs> oh, dun dun! This is a very well written and well thought out Amy kiss brief, David from Brooklyn. It really is. Uh, who is a, a legal expert? He yes, he is. Oh, for sh I'm sure. I mean, this is. Look, this is why I'm not a lawyer. This is such a freaking good point. Like, how did I just, how did it slip my attention? Yeah. That, that the defense was like, well, it's community property. That doesn't mean you can get rid of it. Nope. It's absolutely right. You have to divide community property, property in mandatory settlement conference. And uh, that was not, that step was not taken. Due process was not given. Was not taken. Nope. You are right. That that is invalid on its face. Very excellent briefing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It does it does please the court. It does very much please the court, David. I appreciate you. Next <laughs> on the docket, Dave from Ohio. Hello, Dave. Pronouns he and him. I have two different miss Oh, wait, no. This is a misheard song lyrics and maybe it maybe an Amy's thing too. Here we go. I have two different misheard song lyrics. Oh, yeah, yeah. I would like adjudicated by Amy's court. Oh, we're mixing okay. misheard song lyrics and Metaphors. Amy's court. Mm. Love it. My younger brother and I went through junior high in the early to mid-90s. There were two different song lyrics that we each misheard. Each claims the other brother's misheard lyric was more dumb. <clears throat> to keep things neutral. I won't tell you which was his dumb lyric and which was mine. Yes, they're both dumb, but which is dumber? Lyric one, the proclaimers. <laughs> I want to be 500 miles. One of the two thought of us. They thought they said, I would walk 500 miles and I would walk 500 more just to be the man who walks 5,000 miles to fall down at your door. <laughs> Okay, that's not so dumb. That's not so dumb. It follows. One of us thought 500 oh. plus 500 was 5,000. Lyric two. Right, right said Fred, I'm too sexy. One of us thought, I'm marble. You know what I mean. I do my little turn on the catwalk. Oh, oh I'm a model. I'm a marble. You know what I mean. Is <laughs> I do my little turn on the catwalk. <laughs> 
So that, okay, I have I, okay. So yep. one of us thought marbles do turns and shake tushies on catwalks. Thank you for settling this years-long question. Which one's dumber? For pet tax, before we get to that, I've included Jake, who was our dog when we were growing up. He passed away many, many years ago, Aww. but he'll always be in our hearts. He was a mutt from the pound, so a mix of who knows what. We used to refer to him as the Tasmanian cheese hound. <laughs> Let us know your thoughts. Aww. We think he's mostly corgi with a little terrier. Love of the pod. Thank you for keeping us smiling. Uh, oh, little baby. Dave, I think you're my soulmate, first of all, for listening to these two great songs and having the calling your dog Tasmanian Cheesehound. That's both incredible. But what do you think, Amy? Do you think just to be the man who walks 5,000 miles? Because he says <laughs> a thousand, a thousand. It's yeah. like in that Scottish accent, right? These are the proclaimers from, yes. from uh, Leith. Yeah. Right. And uh, the other one, uh, which is I'm a marble. You know what I mean? (laughs) What I mean? I you know what? It's very clear to me as someone who is atrocious at math that I really believe that the marble makes no sense. The, the Being bad at math makes sense, you know, especially in junior high. I mean, there's really no excuse for 500, 500, but like, you know, you get caught up in the alliteration of the fight, they, they, you know, so I, I think that that is dumb, but it is less dumb than the marble, in my opinion. The marble's pretty, pretty crazy. <laughs> this is interesting. Me, being good at math, thinks the dumber misheard lyric is the 5,000 miles. <laughs> so- you well because you're good at it but okay but on what planet is a marble ever going to be on a catwalk although if you're in junior high what do you know about models i'll tell you what i'll I'll, I'll tell you exactly why you might think i'm a marble you know what i mean doing my little turn on the catwalk there was a game on the amiga basic computer and other other computer other computing systems in the late 80s called marble madness (laughs) and you had to maneuver a marble across a catwalk so oh that changes things yeah so maybe we need a little more information from dave here in ohio dave if there was indeed, if you did indeed play Marble Madness, you and your brother, then I could I could yeah. more excuse the marble on the catwalk. I still can't get over You're absolutely right the five thousand miles, 5, 000 especially 000. because I have Sunshine on Leith by the Proclaimers, and the fucking J card has the lyrics in it. You guys, so that's hilarious. I don't know. Uh, mm, I think we're a hung jury right now, and we just need some more information from Dave. Yeah. We're a hung jury, but but I agree with AG. I think if we find out, and let's you better be honest, if we find out that Marble Madness was a part of the repertoire, then you know we got maybe we're in agreement after all. Could be a little more excusable, uh, because I think people in junior high should be able to do math better than they understand what you're right. what a model does on a catwalk shit you're right you're absolutely right but we'll see but we'll see when we'll let's get more see. info yeah all right that is it for the good news today oh and look at these pictures by the way mm. oh man just a little sweetheart snowy pup definitely corgi terrier i miss ohio but not in the winter you guys for reals and when we get back out on the road we're going to come we're going to come to my hometown we're going to come to akron i don't know where you are in ohio dave but you make the drive even if you're even if you're in that's uh, so cool cincinnati or something have you been to mount vernon ohio by any chance i don't know not not knowingly not to your knowledge (laughs) yeah i went to a wedding there and it is fucking beautiful it's not i love them of course it was the summertime but it was very nice. Yeah, except for the mosquitoes, but you get lightning bugs. That's what we call them in Ohio. Mm. 
just so pretty. But you, no, most of the time, you sit in and you're screened in porch, right? So you don't have to worry about right, the, right. about the skeeters. Yes. All right. If you have anything you want to send us, please do so at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. Also at dailybeanspod.com. We've got a flood of people who are uh, purchasing one-year premium feeds, ad-free feeds for people who can't swing it, uh, which is incredible. It's 36 bucks. You buy a year's worth of premium feed for somebody in need who can't swing it right now. And you can do that at dailybeanspod.com too. And also sign up to get one of those premium feeds if you can't swing it right now. This is patrons helping patrons. And I love it. You guys are amazing. Wonderful. So generous. Fantastic. Just the coolest community of people I've ever, ever been a part of. So thank you for that. Do you have any last words before we get out of here? Amy? Um, I'll, yeah, I'll keep you posted on my simps, symptoms. Um, and I have a good feeling about this weekend. I, I just feel like spring is almost here. My allergies are kicking up and, uh, there's light at the end of the tunnel. So mm. let's just hold on. Yeah. And, uh, John Dean says he thinks it could be days within days Wait, what? that we see an indictment of Donald Trump by the Manhattan district oh, attorney man. because that, Cohen's gone yeah. in seven times. Yep. Okay. And that generally means they're not interviewing anymore. They're prepping him for trial. No. Oh, AG. Okay. I feel like if we could get our hands on some Viennetta ice cream, this might be <laughs> worth breaking your fast for. Like, I'm not even sure it's available yeah. right now, but this could be the thing that does it. Yeah. Or I'll just have a bottle of champagne. And then we can also, we <laughs> might bottle. we might put out a special episode of Muller She Wrote. Yes. We might bring back the old Muller She Wrote intro. Whoa. Bring back the old Fantasy Indictment League. Bring back the old Felony Friday. Mm. Oh man, this is a reboot we all desperately need. I'm uh, looking forward to it. Uh, Merrick Garland went in Star Work today, so we're going to start seeing some uh, informational investigations into the people who incited and led the riots and funded them. It's going to be it's going to be a really fun summer, y'all. And uh, everybody, have a yeah. wonderful weekend. Stay safe. Please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet. And take care of your mental health. I've been A.G. And I've been Amy Carrero. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is directed, written, and hosted by executive producer Allison Gill and engineered and edited by Mackenzie Mazell and Starburns Audio. Staff writers include Dana Goldberg, Amy Carrero, and Allison Gill. Our copy is written by Jesse Egan, and our marketing manager, executive assistant, and social media director is Kanai. Fact-checking and research by Allison Gill, Dana Goldberg, and Amy Carrero. Our music is written and performed by They Might Be Giants. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder of Moxie Design Studios. And our website is dailybeanspod.com. Hey, everybody, do not miss our Daily Beans After Party on the Stereo app. We'll be going live every Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. Dana and I want to hear from you. Our last stereo show went a little bit like this. Following the rules, making changes. You know, Being ethical and shit. In. I'm sorry, what? Being ethical? I know. Who the fuck ever heard of that? For the last four <laughs> years, we didn't remember any of that. I want to have a shirt. Just out here being ethical and shit. Oh, I love oh my it. God. All right, let's see what we got next here. Rosie here. <clears throat> Raphael is a certified loon. He's goofy as a damn cartoon. Betrayed our great land. We don't understand. Fuck you, Ted. Go back to Cancun. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Rosie. See, this Woo! is what I'm talking about. The creativity. Woo! Oh, that was a good one. Oh, my God. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, what a piece I of am- shit.
I am getting real sick and tired too of, of people on, on Twitter and the social media saying Texas gets what it deserves. No. Um, yeah. This is not the, the spirit of the democratic party. I have been saying forever when, you know, when we win back the white house, when we win Congress, every American deserves health care, uh, access to education, um, it's just everything you put the ballot box right you know access to the ballot box everything every american deserves that no matter who you voted for and that's Mm -hmm. this that's what i wanted to set us that's what sets us apart from republicans